You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they show it. Shout a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. What is up, everybody? Happy Monday afternoon. We're going a little bit early after going pretty late yesterday, but uh, busy night ahead, and we'll be back at on the practice field tomorrow. The Bills get an off day on Wednesday and then uh, Thursday practice, and we're, we're off to the second preseason game. Exciting stuff, Mr. Ryan Talbot. Um, how are you? Hey, I'm doing great. You're right. Very exciting times. You know, another preseason coming up here and uh, a lot to talk about from today's practice as well. Yes, uh, this is the Shout Bills football podcast. Thank you for watching on all of the different platforms. If you're on YouTube, hit that uh, like button, hit that subscribe button as well. We really appreciate you guys. We're almost at the 3,500. We're zooming towards uh, that 4,000. Maybe we can get to five before the start of the season. We'll see. Uh, we're brought to you by Tops Friendly Markets. Tops Fresh Burger Bar with over 30 varieties of beef, turkey, chicken, plant-based, and gourmet blend burgers ready to grill. Tops Fresh Burger Bar has you smiling all summer long. And I give you the floor, Mr. Talbot. Where would you like to begin? Yeah, let's start with uh, Luke Keekley. I see PJ in the comments here saying, so cool. They brought in Luke Keekley for the linebackers today, especially for Edmonds. Uh, we saw a video on Instagram last night from Mario Addison showing that Keekley was in the building. So he's been here for a few days. Uh, Matt, why don't you tell us what, what you saw out there on the field today, at least in regards to Luke Keekley? You know, I think from a Bills fan's perspective, the most um... – you know, interesting part of that is the one-on-one time that Tremaine Edmonds gets to spend with Keekley. And I, I believe I remember him talking about uh, picking his brain uh, at the um, joint practices a couple of years ago. And obviously the connection between the coaching staff and in Carolina and, and Luke and all the players here. I mean, we heard from Star Latulale today talk about his time playing with Luke Keekley and even joked that, you know, th- these linebackers are pretty spoiled getting a chance to have a guy of, of Keekley's um, abilities and experience and call him uh, a future Hall of Famer and how lucky he felt playing in front of him all those years. And so he came into practice today, and I, I will be honest with you, yesterday I didn't really notice him. And as I was looking at him today, 
um, I was like, man, he's definitely um, shrunk a little bit, which I think is probably expected uh, after, you know, uh, the NFL workout regimen that he kept up over the years. But this is Keekley comes in uh, two or about two weeks removed from Lorenzo Alexander coming in to kind of work with the team as well uh, on a day. And I think it's just nice to have a different voice in the room. I think that, that Sean does a good job of mixing things up uh, from that perspective. But yeah, this is a, a really important year for Tremaine Edmonds. I think, you know, the, the goal I would imagine is to get into the regular season as healthy as possible to really get a look at what this defense could look like healthy uh, in week one against Pittsburgh. Yeah, you know, first and foremost, having Luke Keekley in football in any capacity is good for the NFL. So I, I hope that maybe he's dipping his toe in the water to see if maybe if he wants to get into coaching. Uh, I know he was trying to do some front office stuff with Carolina. It just wasn't for him, I believe, in the scouting department. So really awesome to see him here in Buffalo. It's something that we have seen Sean McDermott and Brendan Bean do. You mentioned Lorenzo Alexander being here a few weeks ago. He was here last year as well. And, and then even going back to a few years ago, Kyle Williams was in working one-on-one -on -one with Ed Oliver. It's just smart to do. If you have those connections and you can bring players in to see what you have, you can bring in an all-time great whose career was shortened due to injuries and really let him talk to those players, give him some advice, give them some tips. Um, I remember a few years ago, there was a preseason game between Carolina and Buffalo. And I believe he, he, re he referred to Tremaine Edwards as like a freak freakazoid or freakzilla or something like that. So, uh, he, you know, he was aware of, of Edmonds all the way going back. I want to say maybe to his rookie year. So awesome to have him in here. And, and you know, maybe the bills keep doing things like that. One thing we were going to talk about yesterday, Matt, was the fact that Jerry Hughes had mentioned, uh, Mario Williams, uh, for a comparison to Greg Rousseau in terms of their skill set, in terms of their size. And I know Mario uh, doesn't necessarily have any ties to this coaching staff or this front office, but it'd be cool if maybe they could bring someone like that in to give Rousseau some advice. Uh, young DN and Boogie Bash and AJ Epinesa, although Rousseau is the one that kind of models him in terms of that size more than anyone else. But I, I just like that this coaching staff, this front office is using their pipeline of former players to really kind of grow and coach and mold these younger players on this roster. Yeah. And I, I wonder how much of that could potentially happen in the off season. I think if you go back to like even Josh's rookie year and some of the people that he got to meet in the off season and pick their brain a little bit, you know, you go back to like Tony Romo and Peyton Manning and Brett Favre. That's probably something that, you know, right now he's being inundated with information. So I think getting in a, a guy like that early on, I think having Jerry Hughes and Mario Addison uh, available to him at this point in the room with him is a huge benefit for not only him, but Boogie and uh, AJ Epinesa. We were talking to Jerry Hughes yesterday, uh, like you mentioned, and and he said when he came into the league, he had Robert Mathis and Dwight Freeney. Mm. And it's almost like a nice uh, transition in like the circle of life, being able to provide that kind of energy and um teaching to young guys like Rousseau and we got to get to Rousseau because I thought he had another great day today. And, you know, I, I still think that maybe we're spending so much time watching him because going into this training camp, you know, the big question was how was he going to handle the real, um, the real looks, the real battles once the pads went on. I think that no matter what you said going into this thing, as high as you were, in the draft process or whatever, just having a year off, just that alone. I thought that there was going to be a ramp up period needed, but I, I've been impressed with him. And uh, again, today, 
you know, the pads were on, they were going, uh, they were going pretty fast, but it, uh, still a practice that you don't want to overreact, but talking to Leslie Frazier before practice today, I asked him like, all right, so he comes out in his debut. He has this great first game records a sack on his first series. What's the message now? Because, you know, you almost want, you know, you don't want the work to end there or there to be a sense of satisfaction. I would imagine he said, yeah, that's exactly the approach. We tell him like, listen, it was a good, it was a good first game, but it's more going to be about how you respond, how you practice the week after a big game like that. And, you know, he comes out today where, you know, the first day that things are, are ratcheted up a little bit. And I thought he was all over the place. I, I mentioned the sack one-on-one uh, -on -one win against Daryl Williams. And then uh, it was actually two plays later where he blew up a play in the backfield uh, tackling uh, what would have been Devin Singletary for a tackle for a loss. It was a real game situation. So, you know, Gregory Rousseau is looking good. And I think he, as good as he's looked individually at times, like in, in some of these matchups, I also think he's really benefited from the talent level on that defensive line, that in, improved defensive line talent level, if you will. Yeah, and we've talked about that. We've, we've talked about how Ed Oliver can benefit from that, how they're all going to benefit from the return of Star Latule. Greg Rousseau is benefiting from the strength of this defensive line. He's probably benefiting from going against these offensive tackles as well, Matt. Daryl Williams is no slouch. He was outstanding last year in Buffalo, and he beat him for a sack today. He beat him a second time. I was reading in your article. Rousseau is off to a strong start, and and you know I don't know if this is really a hot take or not, but I, I think when we look back at this 20 uh, 21 draft. Some of these players that were drafted late in round one, those opt-out players, the Greg Rousseau, the Joe Tryons, I think those teams are going to end up looking really smart for those plays because I think they, they fell on the draft board because they didn't play and there was no film on them besides the, the previous year. But these guys weren't just sitting on their couches in that year off. They were putting in work with pros. They were working on building strength working on their pass rush arsenal. I don't know if you saw the Buccaneers game, but he, uh, Tryon specifically, flew around the edge, uh, sacked the quarterback. He was penalized for it, but it was a great play. Uh, Rousseau looked great in, the, in that game against Detroit and obviously building off of that here today as well. I think some of these guys that opted out, they're going to be further along than a lot of people expected because of the work that they put in that year off. Mm -hmm. Um. This is going to be a little bit of a quicker show today. We're going to come back tomorrow with three shows and like a little over 48 hours. So uh, I'm, today's going to be one of those uh, quicker ones. Uh, but I do want to say, if you're watching, thank you. Um, if you're on YouTube, make sure you hit that like button. Like I mentioned at the, at the start of the show, hit that subscribe button. We're brought to you by Tops Friendly Markets, your neighborhood store with more. Tops loves local. Tops is proud to partner with over 200 local growers to supply Tops with their freshest homegrown fruits and vegetables. Produced and picked this morning can be on your table tonight. And um, we were supposed to talk about Ed Oliver yesterday, Ryan, and we never did get to it in that episode. So let's get to him because I did add a bullet in observations um, about him. And listen, there hasn't been necessarily those splash plays throughout training camp where, you know, he's, I feel like a lot of the success that has happened on the defensive line has happened as a group. And, um, you know, we're not seeing that Oliver necessarily racking up set, uh, sacks or tackles for a loss, but I thought today, you know, I was, I was really dialed into him on a few reps just because I wanted to see how he's performing. He had a, a, a real good one-on-one -on -one matchup with Ike Butker where, you know, I think like Bucker has actually been um, a little underwhelming 
throughout training camp so far. I, I guess in a, in a lot of ways I expected that. Like you take a week off or however long he was out with COVID, we don't know because we, it was announced on day one of camp. Uh, but who knows how long he was dealing with it. And it seems like he returned quicker than Dion, but um, I expected some type of conditioning issue. issue but and I, I would imagine he's gotten stronger over the course of camp, but I still see moments like we saw today where, again, going up against Ed Oliver, who is a tough matchup for Bucker, he just didn't – he looked kind of outmatched, I mean, to be honest with you. And that's a good thing for Oliver, but a concerning thing for Bucker, especially if – He's a guy that you want to not only compete for a starting job and who knows, maybe they've moved on past that. We saw Cody Ford get some serious work at, at right guard. And I would imagine that's the plan that they probably uh, want to see play out. But Bucker is probably going to be your number one interior backup piece. And he just doesn't, he doesn't look like the same player that he looked like even a year ago. So that'll be interesting to see, but I think that's a good sign that Ad, Ed Oliver had a strong game. I thought on Friday night and, and is carrying that uh, along into practice this week. Yeah, first and foremost with that Oliver, you know, even last year, even though they didn't result in sacks, I saw him push offensive linemen into the backfield a lot as making quarterbacks move off their mark. And, and in a way, when when coaches go back and look at that film, they're going to call that a win. If you can move their quarterback off the mark, if you can make them a little bit uncomfortable. But as we were just talking about a few minutes ago, with Latule back, a true one technique, with having some real talent off the edge, whether you're talking the veterans in Hughes and Addison or these younger guys in Rousseau, Epineza, Basham, F.A. Obata, uh, even Daryl Johnson, who's flashed a bit here. It's all going to help Ed Oliver in terms of his assignments and what he needs to do in making those splash plays. I, I do think that he has the chance to really put everything together this year and have that breakout season that Bills fans were kind of expecting last year and it never took place. Speaking on those offensive linemen, you know, not just with Ike Butker, now you have to kind of keep your eye on Deion Dawkins as well. If Butker is kind of behind the eight ball, you have to wonder how long is it going to take Deion Dawkins to get up to speed, to get into shape. Sean McDermott addressed that yesterday, saying he has a long way to go. We're not that far away from week one, man. And the Bills do need Deion Dawkins, and they need the Deion Dawkins of 2020, 2019, et cetera, et cetera, to be ready to go week one. Because if you're going into that game with Spencer Brown at left tackle or, or someone else, it's going to be trouble because that front uh, defensive front by Pittsburgh is no joke. You, that is correct. I, I'm I'm excited to see how this thing plays out on Saturday in terms of how they use the offensive line. We saw Deion Dawkins get a, a few reps today uh, in team drills, which is, again, another sign of progress. So we'll continue to track that over the course of the week. I'd probably be surprised if he plays on Saturday. And if he doesn't play, or I mean, really, even if he does play, if you're that concerned about his conditioning or where he's at, I don't know if you really do want to roll, jo roll Josh Allen out in that game uh, and risk injury. And I think that's the biggest you know, thing that Sean McDermott has to weigh here. Of course, you probably want to get Josh Allen some reps in a game, but at the same time, do you want to risk, uh, you know, even one series? It takes one play to change the course of your entire season. I mean, we've seen it in the past in preseason where, uh, or even early on in the season where, you know, big time players go down. And uh, I don't think even with the, you know, adding Mitchell Trubisky, who we talked about and covered is a significant upgraded backup quarterback spot your season outlook changes dramatically if Mitchell Trubisky's in and Josh Allen is out. So that's going to be interesting to watch. Let's get to Josh Allen and this 
uh, offense. Uh, there was a, a lot more 11 on 11 today. I feel like Josh Allen got a ton of work and, and maybe that's the, the trade off. You know, maybe you keep Josh Allen out of the games and you get him more work in some of these uh, heavier padded practice team drill days. And he looked really comfortable today. He had two throws that I had in the observations that really stood out to me. There was one to Cole Beasley. Um, he kind of fitted in uh, two defenders in the area. I think Tremaine Edmonds was the closest and he was in the way and, and Allen had to kind of find a way to get it, uh, drop it in a bucket there close to the sidelines. It was one of those just make you go wow throws. You had a few of those today. I, I didn't think he was as sharp yesterday. I think he came in today and they got him going. They had a few 11 on 11s where they worked their way down the field. Uh, some, some good matchups. I thought Levi Wallace had a, a, a fine day today. He gave up some receptions, but he, he got himself a lot of work and he made a couple plays. And I think that he continues to solidify himself at that CB2 spot. But the two big guys, the targets today were Jake Kumaro. I, I mentioned Beasley made that play uh, and he's always going to be out there. But Jake Kumaro and Gabriel Davis. Um, Stefan Diggs is still out with a knee injury. And then Emmanuel Sanders, who I saw out there at the beginning, didn't see him work in at all during team drills. And honestly, I looked on the sideline and I didn't even see him. So he's not on the injury report. I'm not sure where he went. They may have just wanted to keep him out uh, because he went a little bit in team yesterday and he's working his way back from an injury. Um, but it was it was the Jake Kumaro, Gabriel Davis show. Uh, Isaiah McKenzie also had a really solid day. But Kumaro continues to be solid. And, you know, Josh joked around today. When asked about Jake, he said, yeah, I think he's my favorite receiver because he's got one target, one catch, one touchdown. Uh, but, you know, he's just been a, a model of consistency. And to the, you know, I know some people uh, got real concerned yesterday when we mentioned him as a, a potential surprise cut. But I think the reason we did that is because he's elevated himself to a spot where I think everybody is kind of in agreement that he's going to make this team. And so if he didn't, it would be a surprise at this point. Yeah. I have Kumaro and Sharpie. You have, I think you agree. Kumaro's and Sharpie at this point is wide receiver. Number six, uh, obviously with McKenzie, number five, he brings so much to this team, not just in terms of consistency at wide receiver, but in, in special teams play uh, good locker room guy, great teammate, someone that's well-respected for what he's done in his career. So uh, I fully expect him to make this roster. It was good to hear he's been making plays throughout camp and that uh, Josh Allen gave him that praise today, which, again, is further evidence that he's most likely going to be safe on this roster. Uh, in terms of Josh playing, you know, I've said it before. I'll say it again. I don't think he needs the preseason reps. He didn't need them last year. He doesn't necessarily need them this year. Uh, the Bills defense is as good as they come. He's getting a lot of work there. And I did see someone in the comments say, listen, going against another defense is valuable because you don't know what they're bringing in terms of pressure. They might be blitzing. They might be throwing some other looks, obviously trying to get after Allen, which the Bills, when, when they do get after him, they're probably, it's going to be a tap situation, not a tackle. So I get that. I respect that. But we saw Allen and company come out firing last year, week one to week four. Uh, putting up 30-plus points per game and moving the ball with relative ease. I don't think getting him out there is a necessity whatsoever. But And it's also great when you hear that he's having these strong days and he's been pretty consistent himself throughout this camp, Matt. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of questions here about Isaiah Hodgins. Before we get to him and that question, I think PJ uh, brings up a, a, a nice, fun question that we can kind of end the show on tonight. But I do want to mention during one-on-one -on -one drills and – we were in position kind of in a place where it depends on where you stand. Some days, if you stand at the one end of the thing, you could see the D 
linemen. I wasn't down there today, so I couldn't get a really good view of uh, their battles versus the O-linemen, but we were in perfect position to see uh, the wide receivers and the DBs going at it a little bit. And it was the return of the Duke today, Duke Williams in his, uh, in his setting. Uh, this is where he, he performs consistently since he, he joined the bills. Uh, you know, I've always said he's a, a really elite practice player. He, um, he pushes defensive backs because of his size and his physical nature. He really stood out in the one-on-ones today. He had three reps, two against Dane Jackson, one against uh, Rashad Wild Goose, um, where he was just absolutely um, unguardable. And, you know, it, and the reason I say that is like, of course, he'll get a little bit of separation. It's nothing crazy. But then it's about the physicality at the catch point that I feel like most of these uh, smaller, you know, CBs really can't do anything with him. And so, you know, it was just fun to see him out there doing that thing. He's been dealing with a little bit of a hamstring injury. I know fans love that story. Uh, and so always a little bit of Duke to pass along. I, I think that, you know, he's obviously in play for the practice squad as usual. I think Tanner Gentry is a guy because of his familiarity with Josh Allen is always in, in play for the practice squad as well. Uh, but Lance Lenore has had an unbelievable training camp. I think it was Thad Brown that pointed that out. He's been He's been the most consistent depth receiver by far, whether it be one-on-ones, the team drills. Um, he's been really good. The problem is he's just not on a team where there's any path. On Hodgins, though, um, you know, I think the injury might be a blessing in disguise for the Bills in a lot of ways because, you know, you saw what they were able to do last year and um, kind of when that injury popped up, they were able to kind of go into the season, put him on IR and protect them that way. I think if you – were to be in a situation where you had to cut Isaiah Hodgins, you're taking a chance that somebody's going to try to pick him up. And so I think that if this knee thing is, is an extended period of time thing, you can probably put him on IR and, and maybe kick the can down the road until you have to make a decision there. But I think as we stand right here, right now, do, do I give the edge to Marquez Stevenson? No, I don't think he's done enough to this point to say that I'd, I'd keep him over Hodgins, but he does, he offers a different skill set, And I think that in a lot of ways, the, the similarities between Hodgins game and Gabriel Davis's game. I, I think that that's going to be tough for Isaiah Hodgins to earn a roster spot when I don't think he's some strong special teams performer. And I also don't think that, you know, or I also think that if you take Marquez Stevenson, he can do multiple things. And so I don't think he's ready to contribute as a receiver, but they don't need him to be. And uh, you know, I, I think Isaiah Hodgins is in the driver's seat. Like we mentioned to be the kicker, kick returner, punt returner. But, you know, if they want to put out Marquez Stevenson at, at, at a time, if he somehow finds a way to make the, the roster, I think that that's a fun way to figure it out. And I also think that there's possibilities with, with what they can do with Stevenson because of his skill set. We saw how they utilized McKenzie all those years. I think Stevenson kind of falls into that bucket. Yeah, I, I think everything you said was, was perfectly put. Uh, Isaiah McKenzie obviously looks like he has those return jobs on lockdown, which hurts Marquez Stevenson in terms of making this final 53-man roster. Uh, in terms of the Bills even carrying seven wide receivers, I'm not sure. At one point, I thought there was a realistic path for that, but with Hodgins having this knee injury, with Stevenson having an uneven camp, I, I know he had the nice 42-yard catch in the first preseason game. I'm not ready to put anyone on this roster after – Jake Kumaro. Now, if Marquez Stevenson uh, continues his strong preseason, he might work his way there. He might be able to kind of uh, lie in the shadows and make this roster. When it comes to Hodgins, I think that the fact that there's really no tape on him from last year and there's very limited tape on him from this year 
Uh, the Bills, even if he if he's back here in the near future, I think that they're going to be able to get him onto this practice squad, sneak him on there. When it comes to all those veterans you mentioned, Matt, you know, Lance Lenore has made his case as one, to be one of those six veterans that you can add on to your practice squad. Uh, when, when he was first signed, I think a lot of people have said, oh, it's just another camp body. And, you know, we see that every year where there's one of those just camp bodies who have a great camp and work their way onto this roster in terms of being on this practice squad. So Lance Lenore, credit to him for coming in, having a strong camp and probably putting himself in a position to possibly be on this team's practice squad in 2021. Definitely. Uh, some injury updates. Um, we mentioned, did we talk about Zach Moss at the top? No, we did not. I don't think we did. He did return to practice today. And I was kind of surprised because I thought it was going to be a situation where they, you know, he'd do some individual stuff. I didn't expect to see him in teams this quickly. And we did see him. He had a couple carries today. He looked good. Didn't look like the hamstring was bothering bothering him at all, which I think is is really good news for the Bills as you look ahead to this weekend and wanting to get him uh, maybe in the mix. Uh, Antonio Williams out today again at practice. He suffered that stinger in the game. He still is dealing with effects of that and didn't practice. Hodgins and, and Diggs both out with knee injuries. Christian Wade still dealing with the shoulder. Forrest Lamb still dealing with the calf. He's I, I, I really think that unless he's able to get back before this Bears game, and we'll see in the next couple ga- games, I'm not sure if one game worth of production is going to be enough to get, to gain the coach's confidence. There's nothing that I saw in camp when he was healthy that stood out enough to make me think, you know, he was even in the mix at that point. So I, I think Forrest Lamp is, you know, that's trending in a direction where I don't think they're going to be able to keep him. And then it gets interesting because, you know, if you look at the depth spots, and well, let me let me say it this way. I think that Forrest Lamp's inability to stay healthy and potentially factor in at the end here in terms of roster uh, decisions gives Tommy Doyle a better path to the roster because I think if if you want to keep Lamp and you want to keep Butker and you want to keep Bates who could play all five positions we know that then and you got Spencer Brown as your swing tackle which is is where we're headed as well I think keeping Doyle as uh, a tenth guy is going to be really difficult to do uh, I think it would actually be an eleventh guy in that in that scenario if Forrest Lamp were to make the roster as well so I think. If Lamp's out of the equation, I think it's an easier path to Doyle making the roster because I don't think that they want to chance it. I do think that he's raw enough that getting him to the practice squad makes sense. I think it's it's possible. Um, but they also might w- want the, you know, if Deion Dawkins, depending on where he is, they may want, you know, to, to protect themselves and have some more options. I mean, even beyond Spencer Brown and Ryan Bates, keeping Tommy Doyle probably makes sense if you have any questions lingering as you get close to – the regular season with Dawkins. Yeah, it could also be a savvy move by the Bills where he makes the initial 53-man roster, and then after all the cut-down signings take place, maybe after week one, the Bills cut Doyle and add him to their practice squad. Um, We've seen teams do that in the past where they're afraid of losing them at that initial cut-down time where teams are filling their rosters, so they hold on to them just for a little little bit into the season, and then they sneak them on. So that could be a savvy move by this team. Forrest Lamp specifically – just, uh, you know, I feel bad for the guy. This has been the story of his career. Uh, you know, day two pick, really had a great senior bowl performance, uh, but he couldn't stay healthy in, early in his career. Last year was the first year he was relatively healthy for the majority of the season. It's just been injury after injury for this guy. Uh, I know when he was signed by the Bills, there were some expectations he could come in and compete maybe for a starting job atop 
uh, depth role type of job. I just don't see a path for that based on what you've seen at camp when he was healthy and the fact that he's been out this long. Indeed. Um, we'll be back out here tomorrow, uh, the last practice before a day off on Wednesday. Uh, then we'll have another camp practice on Thursday. I'd imagine that one will be uh, on the lighter end of things. And then travel day Friday, game Saturday. Uh, I will be out in Chicago. You will be back here in Western New York, and we will do the thing again after the game. That'll be an earlier on the earlier end, uh, probably around five or six on Saturday. It's a one o'clock start, uh, so uh, looking forward to that. We're brought to you by Top Friendly Markets, as always. Uh, spend more time enjoying everything that summer has to offer, and less time worrying about getting to the store with Tops pickup and delivery. Shop for your groceries online. Choose pickup or delivery. Tops will bring the groceries right to you. Visit topsmarkets.com to get started. What should everybody do on YouTube, Ryan, before we get out of here? Oh, you got to like it. And if you're not already subscribed, you got to subscribe to this podcast, folks. Come on. Our numbers are going up every day. We appreciate you. But if you have not hit that subscribe button yet, do it now. All right, everybody. Uh, for Ryan Talbot, I am Matt Perino. Have a great Monday. We will be back uh, tomorrow. Take care.